The Sports Gambling Podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast. Be it props, parlays, in-game wagering, MyBookie.ag has it all. And if you use the sign-up code SGP50, you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus. With MyBookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. The Sports Gambling Podcast is also brought to you by Amazon. You probably already shop at Amazon, but why not shop at Amazon and support us here at the Sports Gambling Podcast for bringing you these shows for free. All you have to do to support us is log on to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Amazon, bookmark that link, and use it every time you shop at Amazon to support the podcast today. Let it ride. Who is the GOAT? We love to ask that question. Who is the greatest boxer of all time? Ali. The greatest basketball player of all time? Jordan. The greatest quarterback of all time? Brady. So who's the greatest UFC fighter of all time? The answer? To be determined. When you speak of John Jones, you're talking about the best in the world today. He's the highest level of mixed martial arts talent we have ever seen. And how can you deny Amanda Nunes' greatness? She's the best ever. She knocked out Ronda Rousey and Chris Cyborg in the first round. She's incredible. But did Diago Santos and Holly Holm sign up just to be pawns in the story? I don't think so. This man is a savage, a knockout in the weapon of his UFC win. And Holly Holm is the real deal, who's already shown us how a swift kick to the head cuts through an air of invincibility. If given the opening, they can and will stop this go-hype train. July 6th, in the fight capital of the world, the champions and the challengers will meet in the middle of the octagon. The undeniable, undeniable greatness will be on display, reigniting that burning question. Who is the greatest UFC fighter of all time? You want to know the answer? Let's talk again after July 6th. You are listening to The Fight Show here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on Twitter at the SGP Network. Also follow me on Twitter at LockBetting. And check out my website, lockbetting.com. There is loads of free plays available there every day, along with betting packages, including a tracked package with access to a WhatsApp group. So we are here to talk UFC 239, which the promo video suggests will determine who is the greatest of all time. It will not do that. Regardless of what happens with John Jones on Saturday, he will probably still be the greatest of all time because if Tiago Santos does manage to land some kind of lucky shot on Jones's chin in a fight that he would probably be winning for every second before that happened, um, John Jones would still destroy him in a rematch. Therefore, uh, remaining as the greatest of all time. I think one of the other things that the promo video is alluding to is it's trying to put Amanda Nunes in this conversation, which a lot of people won't take seriously because the GOAT to them will always be a man. It will always be Anderson Silva. It will always be John Jones. But should Amanda Nunes now be in the conversation after beating Rousey and Cyborg and could also beat Holly Holm, who beat Rousey, um, obviously denting that Ronda Rousey era where Ronda Rousey was 
um, plowing through everybody, dented the aura and the Rousey era at the same time. So um, interesting conversations when we talk about the GOAT. Um, obviously, the video had some definitive answers in terms of who was the GOAT for the quarterback position, who was the GOAT as far as boxing goes, uh, basketball. I mean, even those things are debated. Some people will turn around and say LeBron is better than Jordan. Um, there's multiple quarterbacks that can be put into the, the Brady argument and uh, and, and all, all kinds of argument as well. I mean, you even have it in soccer, which is a sport I cover. Some people say Pele. Some people say Maradona. Some people say that the likes of Messi and Ronaldo have uh, surpassed the old the old guard in that conversation because of how successful they've been year in and year out so these are interesting conversations that we like to have but ultimately they have no answer and and because it's difficult to compare errors and although silver and jones are different errors um and and even if they had a fight um, let's say over the last three, four years, we've certainly seen that Anderson Silva hasn't been in his peak. So it's very difficult to to get those two things to to come together. It's very it was very difficult to put Anderson Silva in an octagon with um, with John Jones. It was difficult to put. Um, George St Pierre in the octagon with, with any of these guys as well because at one point he was in the, he was in a conversation and nothing's happened in his career to, to take him out of the conversation at all all that's happened is is that he stepped out of the picture for a bit and um, obviously that can also affect your relevancy in terms of having a look what you did and or what you didn't do and seeing how long your legacy lasts if you were to take two three years out and whatever and it's funny with GSP um, isn't really mentioned that much unless he's um, in in the spotlight and and sort of touting uh, some kind of comeback. It's surprising that after how good he looked in his last comeback fight, which hasn't turned out to be a comeback fight, he hasn't because he hasn't fully come back. That GSP hasn't had another fight since. But this one is all about John Jones, and uh, this weekend he goes up against Diogo Santos. Where surprisingly, I think that we are actually getting some value here on Jones. I also think we're getting some value this weekend on Holmes because if you look at both of these fights collectively as opposed to separating them, because I think that the general consensus is that this weekend, that Holly Holmes and John Jones are facing up against opponents who are very unlikely to, to beat them. Yet, as we look at them collectively, we have Jones coming in as a one to five shot, and that's like the best price available. Most places do have him at one to six, minus 600. And you have Holly Holm coming into this one as a best priced one to three favorite here. Now, obviously, you're, you're going to turn around and say, well, they are heavy favorites. They are heavy favorites, but should it be one to three and one to five? Because the payout of one to three and one to five is a relatively uh, healthy 160 pounds from a 100 pound bet um giving you close uh giving you odds sorry of three to five on that parlay so for every 500 dollars that you put down you would have 300 dollars back in return i don't think in the, these are terrible odds to lay that double with Jones and Amanda Nunes. Now, the main threat of the two 
does come in the form of, of, of Holly Home because there is a uh, a route to victory if they can keep this standing up. Uh, Holly Holmes is a more technical fighter, and if she can keep the fight at kicks at kickboxing range, then she's alive in this fight. But to keep Nunes, who's such a relentless fighter, at that kind of range. Um, it is going to be very difficult to do for, for 25 minutes. And I think we're past the period now where people can tear around and 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 question Amanda Nunes' cardio and, and the sort of things that were, were brought up earlier on in his career. She's passed all of these tests. And although there is the route to victory where Holly Holmes can can stand there and and land scoring shots from, from a kickboxing position... Um, that's really the only way I see it. I see it going down. I mean, if even if Amanda Nunes can take this to the ground, um, there would be a possibility there to to even get herself a submission. Um, she's a powerful striker. Um, she can make it a dirty fight. Uh, she can win uh, striking exchanges, and she can knock out Holly Holmes, who is like a world class boxer. But on the ground as well, she will have a massive advantage and will probably be looking uh, to take it there, which is an analysis that may surprise some people. But I, I think that's probably a, a safe approach for Amanda Nunes because she doesn't want to be the victim of a big upset. And sometimes you can get these on these cards where it's sort of promoted around one or two people in terms of Oh, they are appearing on this card. It's John Jones and Amanda Nunes, and there will be other fights, and they do have these two tomato can opponents. That's not exactly what Holly Holm and Tiago Santos are. You can't turn around and say that uh, based on their records. But in terms of fights for fight week, uh, I don't think these fights are particularly close in terms of what they've done in the past. If you look back and do research and see what fight week was and what it's meant to be, I don't think that having a minus 500 and minus 300 as, you, as your two top fights is usually the way that, that UFC go. And that's not to say there can't be a major and significant upset and we won't be coming on the next edition of the fight show and talking about how Holly Holm managed to beat um, Amanda Nunes or how Tiago Santos landed uh, a lucky punch on John Jones's chin in the in the second round. We could be doing that because it's UFC and it's so many ways to win, which is why it's so phenomenal that these two fighters that we're talking about have these records. I'm going to run through uh, some prices for these fights and break them down <coughs> in terms of... Um, Specific prices, knockout, submission, etc. Because I think obviously I've made it clear that the general consensus is that these two will win, although uh, everybody has a chance in a UFC fight. John Jones, as I said, is one to five. Thiago Santos is available at seven to two, one of the best prices available on him at four to one. Uh, Thiago Santos to win by knockout is available at seven to one. Uh, John Jones to win via knockout is available at six to four. John Jones via submission is available at nine to four. Tiago Santos via submission of 14 to one. John Jones to take this to the decision is the biggest price for a Jones victory at three to one. And Tiago Santos is even bigger at 22 to one. 
in the round betting, John Jones to finish in round one is the favourite of five to two. Round two, seven to two. Round three, six to one. Round four, eleven to one. And round five is eighteen to one. Tiago Santos in round one is twelve to one. That's seen as his best chance. Eighteen to one for the second. Twenty-two to one for the third. Thirty-three to one for the fourth. And round five is forty to one. So for me, I can see Jones winning this by any one of these methods. Um, I'm mo- what I'm most certain about is that he does get it done in rounds one to five. Um, there is a market here for the double chance and you can take John Jones by TKO or submission, which is available at one to two. I really like that bet. Um, if I was to lock anything up here, I would probably go for Jones to finish the fight via TKO or submission or other ways to bet that is John Jones to win in rounds one to five. I don't see Thiago Santos lasting the difference. Uh, I see the most dangerous period in this fight for John Jones being the first five minutes of the fight, which is why Thiago Santos is... Uh, his his rounds uh, suggest that his best chance of winning is in round one and it's the shortest price. But even that is 12 to one. Jones himself could finish it in round one, which I said was five to two. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Thiago Santos might be able to negotiate one, maybe maybe two rounds here. I'm not confident enough though to to go for the over-under. The over is... 8 to 13, the under is 6 to 5. I would lean the over because that's seven and a half minutes for this fight. Um, uh, John Jones is not notoriously a, a quick finisher, but ultimately he is a finisher. It's seen as a monster achievement if anybody can last even more than three rounds against John Jones because, of course, he is the, the greatest of all time and he has been for, for quite some time from the time where he came on came aboard in his early 20s and was just playing through all the legends of USC from overcoming all these drug problems and um, hit-and-run incidents and you know, lines and lines of coke and failing drug tests for um, having... PEDs in his system and all kinds of shit that he's come from. He just still overcomes all that and comes back and wins wins his fights. Even though Daniel Cormier is the prototype of what a champion should be, he talks like a champion, he fights like a champion. He's a good example to children. People will still back the story of John Jones. And and what's funny is is that John Jones will will come along and will beat Daniel Cormier every single time which he has done and that's probably the most frustrating thing for Cormier in terms of why do the people support this man he's a fucking car crash he's not a role model he's a guy that's been caught doing drugs he's a guy that's been caught doing um, recreational drugs as well as performance enhancing drugs he's not an example to, to anybody. He's the guy that you shouldn't like. He's he's a cheat. He's irresponsible. He was involved in a hit-and-run accident with someone that was pregnant. But at the same time, you're drawn to John Jones. He is the draw. He's the A-side of every time, every time he fights in UFC. He is the draw to this event, and he's the draw every time he fights. He's the man that UFC need now to, to go on a run. And I don't see anyone there, any other... Um, any other 
heavyweight or light heavyweight that can beat John Jones. If Brock Lesnar comes back, which I don't think that fight is even on the cards anymore because Brock Lesnar, I think, is is done. Um, if it's if he fights Daniel Cormier again, if um, if Daniel Cormier is is beaten by by somebody, um, th- there's just nobody out there. But be it heavyweight or light heavyweight, nobody that's going to beat John Jones. This is the cash cow, and it has to be the cash cow at the moment because, as far as I'm concerned, the mystique of um, Conor McGregor has been wiped out. Khabib Namagamadoff showed that he will beat him every time, but Khabib Namagamadoff is not a box office draw. It takes something special to be a box office draw. Brock Lesnar wasn't the greatest fighter ever, but he was a box office draw. Ronda Rousey was exposed. I would say uh, it's slightly unfair I'm trying to through lack of a better terminology Ronda Rousey was exposed but at the same time she was box office Holly Holm isn't box office Amanda Nunes isn't even box office necessarily Chris Cyborg she had something about her but but she was beaten by, by Nunes so I mean UFC aren't having a load of luck with these results in terms of marketable fighters and uh, John Jones the, the, I think the, the bigger problem with him will be John Jones beating John Jones. John Jones doing something stupid. John Jones having another dumb incident with a car crash. John Jones testing for some kind of drug, be it recreational or performance enhancing. John Jones is the biggest threat to John Jones. And uh, that's how much he is the clear-cut number one fighter in in, in the world right now. Um, and, and possibly the greatest of all time. I'm not willing to confirm that as um, adamantly as the, the promo video we heard at the top of the show. <laughs> the Joe Rogan experience. Because now people get to see, like, hey, look, John Jones is out for all that time for other problems and then for the drug problems. Yeah. Like, this is a lot of money that guy lost. John probably lost oh, yeah, yeah. tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. You know? But he's still young. Yeah. He's still young and he's still, you know, and hasn't hit his prime yet, I don't think. No. I think also... All that knowing that it can all be taken away from you mm-hmm. probably met, like tempered him, yeah. like put him in a better place where he realized like I still have this gift mm-hmm. of incredible talent. I mean, he's just a natural born fighter. For sure. He just knows how to fight. Some guys, they have all the technique, all the talent. But they don't know how to put it together. Sean mm-hmm. knows how to put it together. Yeah, he's just he just that's his that's his jam. He just goes out there and he can he just does things on the fly that nobody would ever think of. Yeah. It works. Yeah, he tries crazy. things out. It's crazy to watch him train because he's just super lasered in and focused, and there's nothing you know there could be the building could be getting bombed and it wouldn't matter. He'd just be on the bag working on mm-hmm. his technique. Yeah, yeah it's I really, believe it. It's really cool to watch. Yeah, well, he's he's the outlier, right? I mean, there's a, there's special fighters. There are outliers in in the sport, and from our era, it was like Anderson Silva, Mighty Mouse, John Jones. Yeah, those are the real outliers. Where you just watch me, just go, Jesus Christ. That clip was courtesy of the Joe Rogan Experience, and he was talking to. Michelle Watson, and they were talking about John Jones, and they touched on Anderson Silva as well as they were entering into their own conversation about the the greatest of all time. You can go and check that out. It's available on YouTube where I pulled that little clip up from. We'll now look at the the co-main event, which is Amanda Nunes and Holly Holm, and break down the prices for that. Amanda Nunes is available at one to three best price. Holly Holm is available at best price of three to one. 
but obviously um, in the places that Holly Holmes available at three to one, Nunes is at one to four. Um, and the places where Nunes is one to three, Holly Holmes available five to two. Always check around for the best prices. It's very important, especially if you're going to be doing the the parlay on this show, which I'll give you in a minute. Um, Amanda Nunes by knockout is six to five. The submission is five to one. The decision is five to two. Holly Holmes eleven to two via knockout. Twenty to one by submission and thirteen to two via decision. As I mentioned earlier, the decision I feel is Holly Holmes' best route to victory. Um, especially if this was a three-round fight, but it was a five-round fight. It does give Amanda Nunes a lot more time to finish inside the distance, so that TKO knockout victory and the submission become viable. Um, if you take Amanda Nunes and a double chance to finish the fight in rounds one to five, it does end up coming out at eight to eleven. I'll just note one thing though about taking that risk. Holly Holm has only been finished once inside an octagon, and it was by Misha Tate via choke. There hasn't actually been a TKO KO on Holly Holm since she's been in the UFC. And Holly Holmes, obviously, her career got catapulted after the win against Ronda Rousey, but it's not been great since then. Um, she has gone on to lose four fights, but all of them, with the exception of the Misha Tate fight, the other three have all been via decision and a lot of them have been debatable decisions, especially the one against Shevchenko and um, Jermaine Durandamy. Uh, I watched those fights and was actually on Holly Holm to get back on track because they've often been uh, in, in the camp where it's like, look, if you can beat Rousey, you can get it done. And if you've got this kickboxing record and, and this boxing record, which Holly Holm has, which is which both incredible records, you always feel that she's cut out to... Um, succeed in, in the UFC and that she should be able to beat some of these fighters. If she stands up uh, with Amanda Nunes with her kickboxing record and a professional boxing record where she's um, had 38 fights, 33 wins, two losses and three draws and a kickboxing record of um, 22 fights, 14 wins, one loss and, and seven draws. You feel that she should be able to be the dominant force on her feet but you just feel if Nunes ups the aggression she could beat Holly home in a striking battle and she could definitely beat her on, on, on the ground. So it's a difficult one um, to call in terms of where you specifically put your money on a finish if you want to, if you don't want to take something as short as one to three. But for me, it's something that's very parlayable um, in terms of either with John Jones, but if you don't like that kind of juice either, if you don't like parlaying the, the one to three and the one to five, which I personally think has value, we can start to look at the, the other fights on the card. Inside my mind, tell me I will be something great in the future. And I keep moving forward. Give everything that I had to Jesus Christ. Believe, believe, believe. And now I'm here. The greatest of all time. I decided to do something nobody ever did before. Do. 
again the very belt that I've had before. on my waist. That's all I'm focused on. That's the only goal I have in front of me right now. I know I'm capable and I know I can do this. how the promo videos really make you think that both fighters have a chance and they do a great job in making the fight seem very very 50 50 but obviously that isn't the case but we'll see what happens come saturday night as i was mentioning before there are other fights on the card so i'm going to cover the main card here on the sgp and if you want my picks on the prelims or if you want to see how these things get parlayed together or whatnot and if you're looking for bets on rounds and overs and unders and all that kind of stuff that we do we will put the best bets together and it will go out to our clients at lockbetting.com so upgrade to one of the packages there to see how you get all of the ufc bets from me um there will be a lock on this podcast in fact we're going to go for two official plays at the end which will not include any of these um other fights on the main card but i will run through them anyway and uh, make some sort of prediction. So we start with Ben Askren against George Masterval, where Askren is the four to nine favorite. Masterval is a seven to four. The methods of victory see Askren as a nine to one to win it on a TKO KO. It's five to one via submission, five to six on a decision. Masterval is three to one by knockout, eleven to one by submission, and fifteen to two by decision. Sometimes, when you look at these odds, it kind of tells you the the pattern of the fight. And in this one, obviously, it's Masterval looking for a knockout and Askarin by Askarin by decision, because it's a very clear striker versus grappler matchup with Askarin going non-stop for the takedowns and if, he, and if he can get them and looking to dominate all at the ground. He's one of the best wrestlers in the, in the MMA. Uh, he's successful at getting the fight to the mat and keeping it there. That's why he's in a prominent position on this card in, in the third fight down. Um, he likes to wrestle as well. He likes to chain wrestle to, to get these takedowns. He won't be looking to stand up um, against Masterval. And Masterval's job will be the, obviously the opposite. He want to stuff the takedowns, dominate the stripe and keep it on the feet, keep it busy. 
um, on the feet and uh, the knockout obviously is his only path to victory but for me this one is quite a simple decision for, for Asker and in fact I think it could be as easy as 30-27 um, I, I don't think for me George Masterval is a live dog on this on this card, but but obviously we can all be proven wrong. Um, one of the most one of the most interesting fights here on the undercard is that uh, Luke Rockhold is going to be returning here, and uh, he's going up against Jan Blauwitz. And uh, Rockhold, after a long layoff, does come into this fight as a four to nine favorite with a best price of one to two available. Um, Baskowitz is um, 15 to 8. Uh, he's 7 to 4 to win. Sorry, I'm just going. It's not 7 to 4 here. It's uh, 21 to 10 on Luke Rockhold to win via TKO. Okay, that's, that's the best price to use 7 to 4 in some places. 11 to 4 via submission and 10 to 3 via decision. It's 9 to 2 on Baskowitz to win via TKO. KO. Uh, 14 to 1 via decision. Uh, so 41 by submission and 92 by decision. I don't know if I'm butchering his name the way Sean butchers the MMA fighters' names, but I've got Blaskowitz here. It's uh, B-L-A-C-H-O-W-I-C-Z. I'm doing this after a long day. I'm very sick and uh, I'm very tired at, the, at this junction. I'm doing this podcast at, at 3 o'clock in the morning here in the UK, but I needed to, to get it done because this is something that we should be covering here on the SGP, especially on the fight show. If we've got the show here, a major UFC card like this has to be done. Obviously, lately we've been primarily been focusing on the boxing with all the big boxing fights we've had, but this is certainly a massive UFC card. We actually haven't had a uh, edition of the fight show since Anthony Joshua was knocked out. And although we were wrong about the pick, one thing I was right about was that the Anthony Joshua knockout was coming at some point. I wasn't expecting it to be against Andy Ruiz Jr., but I did say this was a very overrated fighter, and I was hoping that it was going to come against USA's Dante Wilder, a guy that I'm a big fan of, but unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So that, that proves really that the upsets can happen. And um, everybody on and on any given day on a UFC card is a live dog. They've all got the, the punches chance. But it's just it so happens that this particular card for me looks very clear cut and not necessarily in terms of ways of victory, methods of victory and whatnot, but just in terms of who will win, especially in the first four fights where I've gone for Askren, I've gone for Nunes, I've gone for Jones. And in this particular fight, I'm going to go for, for Luke Rockhold. Well, how about the guy you're fighting? How, how did we get here to, to Jan Blackowitz? How, how is he the guy? Jan is, is, is all we could get. And I was, I was looking for everything and more at light heavyweight. And light heavyweight is kind of a, it's a scarce division of, of names and of real talent, you know, people with substance. Jan's a tough guy, and not, not many people know about him. He's quiet, he's polished, doesn't really have a, much charisma, doesn't talk much. There's nothing to say about Jan Blockwitz. It's like, you want me to do these interviews, what am I supposed to say? The guy's tough. But he's, a, he's, he's stiff, he's slow, and he's not technical. So that's, that's Jan. He's top-ranked guy, the highest-ranked guy I could get. Six, I believe, right now. So I gotta, I just gotta make myself heard in the top of the division, and then that's all that matters. How many fights does it take to to get heard at the top of the of, of the division? It takes a fight. One. Yeah. 
it doesn't take much and I've done I've done a lot in this game like I said I'm strike force champ UFC champ I've been here I've done I've done what I've done and uh, I'll make myself heard Saturday night is that another way of saying you're here to pick a fight with John Jones a little bit hey what, why else am I here I'm not here to dance around I'm not here to just exist and, and to take fights I'm not going to do that if I can't compete at the top I won't be here and I know I can and that's what I'm doing how much have you thought about John Jones compared to how much you thought about Jan coming into this one? I'm thinking about Jan. You are. I'm thinking about what's what's in the in front of me. I'm gonna handle my business. John's John's an afterthought. John's got his work to do. I got my work to do. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have a little dance later on. Yeah, that's that. Are you confident? Are you confident that come Sunday, you know, I'll be writing a column about it's it's very likely the Luke Rockhold fights John Jones. Yeah, so based on that, it seems pretty clear that Luke Rockhold is here and uh, they're hoping, the UFC are hoping that he gets past Jan Blakowicz and wins this fight because it's a marketable fight for John Jones and there isn't a lot of those. And not to say that it'll be a close fight, but um, I think Don Jones and Luke Rockhold will be marketable and even Luke Rockhold there said himself he'll make himself known that he wants John Jones next and he thinks that he can have that fight immediately. But first, in order to do that, he has to get past Jan Blakowicz. And there was a column written about this, uh, written about this UFC card, but but also specifically about this fight by Jeff Fox. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff, Jeff Fox Writer. And he's contributing for the SGP and he picked... Rock hole to return and win this fight. And I'm I'm gonna do the same because I think UFC would have tried to pick somebody that Luke Rockhold can arrive here and beat. But even this fight is tough because of the chin. If Luke Rockhold doesn't sort his chin out, then it's all over for Luke Rockhold. He's not gonna to last too long in this game. And I and I just feel that even Luke Rockhold probably knows that because he has been floored now on four occasions and that's going to be pretty rough for you. And then after that, you want to go out there and call John Jones. Well, that's because John Jones is the is the big money fight. But in order to get to the big money fight, you have to get past the tomato can. And Jan Blackowitz isn't even necessarily a tomato can because he's a powerful striker and he can knock Luke Rockhold the fuck out if Luke Rockhold hangs his chin out there. So maybe a points victory is the best way to go just to make sure that Luke Rockhold does what he needs to do on his feet and, and talks about and, and comes through with the technical skills he was talking about and wins this fight via decision, which is 10 to 3 to happen. Uh, it's 21 to 10 Luke Rockhold via TKO, KO, and 11 to 4 via submission. Blackowitz is 9 to 2 via TKO. It's 14 uh, TKO, uh, KO. It's 14 to 1 via submission, and 9 to 2 for him to win via decision. This isn't um, an easy fight to call. As I said, I do have relatively strong leans on, on all of the favorites here on this main card, and that includes Michael Chiesa, who fights in the last fight that I'm going to cover. But I think Luke Rockhold, out of all five of them, is the, is the toughest because you just don't know what's going to happen. He's coming back from a layoff, and you just can't be 100% sure in those circumstances. Not that you can be 100% sure about anyone, but I think this is the one. So if you're looking to do a five-person parlay based on my picks, this is the one that I'm most concerned about. 
the young Michael Chiesa fight, he fights against Diego Sanchez. Uh, he's the two to seven favorite. It's eleven to four on Sanchez. The methods to victory sees Chiesa at fifteen to eight by TKO. Eleven to four by submission and five to two by decision. Diego Sanchez is eleven to one by KO. TKO KO. Eleven to one submission and four to one via a decision. For me. Um, Chiesa is the rightful favorite here. He's a more powerful grappler. He has a more durable chin, um, but he's not a powerful striker at all. Um, but I think at this point in his career, even he uh, could test Sanchez's chin. I, I think Chiesa is a comfortable winner in this fight. Um, he will be the fighter landing the the takedowns he'll be the he'll be scoring more heavily on the judges scorecards um and could be the first person to submit sanchez there's so many ways here for Chiesa to win, to win this fight um i'm not sure if he should be as wide as two to seven because I mean, sanchez can scrap he can make this a dirty fight on the feet um but i think that He's not going to be able to to hurt Kiesa. Uh, he's not going to be able to to win rounds. And uh, I think for me, Kiesa is going to be on top for long periods. And inevitably, he's the winner of, of this fight. So closing out with some official picks. And for for me, it's not going to include anything in the last three fights that we've just in, that we just talked about. And obviously, we haven't touched on the prelims as well. I'm going to keep it really concise and stick to the tippy top of this card and uh, I like John Jones to win in rounds one to five or you can bet that on the double chance John Jones via KOTKO or submission and that's available at one to two minus 200 and I love the parlay Uh, I love two units on the parlay of Amanda Nunes and John Jones the two people who are selling this pay-per-view, the two people that UFC have put in the GOAT conversation. When, of course, as you established on this podcast, there are a lot more people that should be in that conversation. But for me, um, it is going to be what this pay-per-view is about. For It's not going to be one of those occasions where somebody is the party pooper and um, blows up all of the market in here with a, with a Sanchez um, with Sanchez TKO or or, or a Holly Holm stoppage or Holly Holm outpoints Amanda Nunes. I just think these two are too good, they're too reliable. They've been too solid for too long. They've beaten they've beaten better fighters, and uh, this weekend is just for me more of a showcase. And, I, and I'm confident sticking down two units here to make a hundred and twenty pound profit um, by Parlay and Jones and Amanda Nunes. Very confident about that, and um, equally confident I think about John Jones stopping this fight within the twenty five minute time period as well. So that's it from me. That concludes this edition of the Fight Show. There will be a preview of all of the cup finals, which includes the Women's World Cup, the Gold Cup, and the Copper America, and that one will be available later on today. Good luck with all of your bets as always, and thanks for listening.